Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network. This is where you'll find much of your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, well, they might provide that roadmap for that journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking to mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Normally on the first Thursday of the month, it's Alan Fox. The second Thursday is Coach Chuck Greasy. The third Thursday, which of course is today, it's Dr. John F. Murray, clinical and sports psychologist. The fourth Thursday, it's either Coach Scott Williams or energy coach Linda LeClaire, who sometimes actually brings her husband, Dr. Bryce Young, with her. Those are blessed days when that happens, but they're always blessed days with Linda. When you talk about energy, who better to talk to? On those occasional fifth Thursdays, well, who knows? Over the last three years, I've been blessed to have coaches like Nick Saviano, uh, Coach Scott Engie, uh, Coach Ashley Hobson, uh, many other college coaches, and, uh, and some high school coaches, too. We have some outstanding high school coaches. Uh, some of our high schools, some of our college coaches, rather, came from uh, coaching high school. We've also been blessed to have USTA officials, uh, uh, other officials of the USTA, uh, people in industry, uh, with products uh, on there. We were uh, one of the first to introduce a couple things. I won't go into a commercial now. We've also had PTR and USPTA executive directors on and other members of the organization. And occasionally we have the Florida tennis founder and editor Jim Marks on the broadcast. Of course, the nice thing about Blog Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen at any time you choose. On Wednesdays, Chuck Reese American uh, Tennis is on. Uh, and now on Sunday, Coach's Corner with Randy Blumenthal are on. I listen to both of those broadcasts. I always do. Uh, uh, actually, this week I listen to American Tennis Live, but normally I don't listen to either one of them live. It's either at 6 in the morning or 10 or 11 at night. I did listen to Randy Blumenthal's show. He had a very nice show. As a matter of fact, he had Coach Chuck Greasy on his uh, Sunday's uh, broadcast. And on uh, Wednesday, American Tennis, there was a uh, – oh, Susie, I think she was from South Carolina. But uh, I thought she made outstanding points about, you know, don't wait on anybody else. Let's do it ourselves. She had two sons going through tennis now. And uh, enjoyable uh, broadcast, both of them. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber for hosting our network, and if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you're missing out on some useful information. 
And because I do believe Dr. King when he said our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis. And naturally, you will hear my biased views that the tennis journey should be going through our high schools and colleges. Who knows, together we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Time will tell. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's Coach Denise, D-A-N-I-S-E dot F-H-S-T-C-A at att.net. Who knows? You may read your views in Florida tennis, or you may even hear them on Coach Denise Sharon Tennis Blessings broadcast. It would not be the first time that happened. I'd like to also remind you that if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. Or in between issues, you can find Jim Mark's articles as well as other information on Facebook, that's FL Tennis on Facebook, and you can read those uh, information. A lot of times things happen between issues, and uh, you will uh, be able to see them. We do try to post it now to keep you abreast with important information. Earlier I was asked if my commentary was going to be on the ITF um, position with uh, the vote on uh, Davis Cup, no, it's not. I've already done my um, commentary, and being that I am not, I now posted on Saturday on Facebook, uh, <laughs> I didn't want to change it, number one. Number two, I don't know. Uh, I know one issue uh, that was voted on I don't like uh, at all, but I don't know enough about it, and I really think that we should read it and understand it and digest it before we uh, – make commentaries on things. So, no, uh, I'm not going to talk about uh, that this evening because we have an outstanding mentor on this, and he actually uh, put something on his Facebook site that uh, actually him and I talked about quite a while ago. I would like to remind you that the next issue of Florida Tennis Magazine should be in your pro shops next week, and you will find an interesting article uh, by Jim Marks. Uh, the article is how Florida tennis is no longer uh, looked at as the uh, national tennis capital and why Florida is now the world tennis headquarters. I think it was Bumpy Fraser who was credited with originating the comment that uh, uh, some, it's it, it, Florida is not just America's most important tennis state, It's the world's most important um, tennis state. And um, Jim Marks has an interesting article in there about that. I think you will enjoy reading. Actually, uh, you also find an article from uh, Coach Ed Kratz in there. And um, it's not about one-on-one doubles, which is always good to 
talking here about, and it's not about uh, his summer camps that uh, uh, for co- uh, college preparation that he runs throughout the uh, country with all college coaches, uh, but it's about the Kessler family, and it's a very uh, interesting article. I think you'll enjoy it. And, of course, part three of my Coach Denise uh, Changes Risky and Necessary uh, is in there, too, so... Uh, you should find a lot of information in there. I do see that our mentor, uh, John F. Murray, is on the um, uh, line now. Uh, I will bring him in, and then I'll do my commentary. John, are you there? That's good to hear you back on the air again, John. It's been a little while, so we're back at it again. Yes, we are. Good to be there. Uh, I couldn't contribute anything because my, <laughs> my computer knowledge uh, isn't good. But I was good enough to go on. I did enjoy your comment, which I like to talk about uh, on uh, what you had on Facebook with you in a couple of minutes. But actually, uh, I thought it kind of led into uh, my commentary, and I was talking about uh, a presentation I did some 20 years ago, and uh, there's a lot of uh, new stuff out there. I always encourage young uh, coaches to write and to post things and to share. Uh, I do, when I hear this is uh, brand new, I haven't seen a lot of new stuff. There's some things, uh, especially in your business, I guess, that uh, gets recycled. But uh, my commentary for this week is about time. Um, when one breaks down the game of tennis, it's all about time. Like life, time is probably the most important commodity we have. You never get it back. Years ago, I learned that I was going to teach my students how important time was. I needed not only to incorporate time management in my players' development program, but I was also needed to incorporate it in all my lesson plans. The following is a presentation I made for the Florida Athletic Coaches Association. I actually uh, do business coaching, and somebody that was at that one that I'd done recently found this uh, because, like I said, I'm not a computer person, and uh, I had it on an old program, and uh, he was able to bring it up for me. But uh, the PTR is an important organization for introducing uh, typical duties of a hit-and-partner pro who feeds balls and conducts point plays. I should I should just add that uh, this was written 20 years ago, so the professional tennis registry was, um, I'm not sure, but this presentation might have been when we had all PTR members doing the presentation uh, uh, it might not have been because it was so long ago. But in those days, the PTI was a teaching organization, and the USPTA, truthfully, was a good old boy network. But today, the USPTA is, in my opinion, although I'm not a member because I've been a PTR member for over 30 years, uh, but it, I think it's just equally important. So I should include both organizations. But experience and continued training are needed to become a tennis coach. Understanding the value of incorporating the who, what, where, why, and time, and when to start discussing the following issues become important. 
and I made, listed three important things. And number one was developing and, and making corrections on technique, on athleticism, on strategies, and on emotion. I'll go into more details on these when I did my presentation, so I'm just shorting this up because we only have so much time on the broadcast. Introducing and understanding margins was number two. Intelligent attacking is important. When do I attack? Where and why? And then, of course, in doubles, who am I going to attack? Controlling adrenaline was and is still important. Understanding the physical, mental, and emotional changes that go on during a point and and in between points are important. Keeping your clarity is important. Who, and that was the third thing, who is in control of play? What's the smartest percentage play? When was the momentum and the match change? And why was the momentum change? Where does the player, where's the player's grit now? Is the player still fighting or not? And of course, the other question is why? Uh, time does seem to fly. Like I said, it's been about 20 years since I made this presentation at the Florida Athletic Coaches Association, but I think it might be just as relevant today as it was back then. Time does not start when your opponent strikes the ball. Time starts when you are striking the ball, and knowing where to recover and why is important. So now is the time to prepare, prepare for your tennis and life's journey. Time is too precious, too precious to waste. It's your advantage. And if anybody would like my larger explanation of the who, what, when, why, and where, the detailed presentation that I made, you can email me at coachdenise.fhstca.att.net, and I'll be glad to send it to you. John, I uh, sorry we missed the last uh, month's uh, meeting. I think uh, we had a timely discussion, but when I saw uh, your Facebook post about back to school and uh, sorry kids, no sports psychology or mentor coaching today, I said, wow. <laughs> I remember talking to you, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago and you were gracious enough to do a presentation for the uh, tennis coaches in uh, Florida, the high school coaches, and do we need this in all the schools and feeling inadequate, somebody like you, and how can we ever yeah. get to that? I, I just wonder, maybe if I live long enough, this is coming closer. Well, thanks for your comments. And I, I think I posted that because – the more work I do, and, and by the way, tell me if this connection is okay. I, I keep hearing a clicking on my phone. Do I come through loud and clear here, John? Is that okay? You're coming through loud and clear, yes. On this end, awesome. uh, it seems to be coming loud. Yeah, I think so much we get caught up on the technical parts of tennis and sports even. And when you're working with a, a player in, in sports psychology, you can sometimes forget that um, you're, you're teaching life skills as well. And, and it might be the most important thing as a coach or a sports psychologist to help these kids or adults or whoever you're working with to develop skills that go way beyond what we get in formal education. Because truly, 
they do not teach mental skills in school. So how many times do you recall a, a class you might have taken in high school or, or in uh, college about confidence or about how to properly concentrate, how to, as you mentioned, time. Time is so important long before the match even begins. Managing it before the match, after the match, taking care of that precious resource is an example of a skill that just is not taught very frequently in school. So when I posted that newsletter a few days ago, my, my concept was that what we're doing as, as sports psychologists, and I'm sure coaches can relate to this as well, is we're filling in the gap that formal education simply doesn't pay attention to. And yet it might be the most important lesson of all to, to teach kids how to be properly resilient, to teach them how to use visualization skills, to set goals properly, to, to do all the things that we do in sports and also in sports psychology is a huge, often overlooked and underappreciated service that we just, so I made that post about, sorry, kids, no, uh, you know, back to school. It was the back to school issue, but sorry, kids, you're not going to get any mental coaching. Sorry about that. And that's where I always felt that sports could be, you know, uh, I, I, I do think people that participate in sports have an advantage because they're getting a little of this. They don't have uh, Dr. Murray on the courts, but hopefully if they're getting an experienced coach on there, they're starting to get, they're starting to understand a little bit about imagery. They're starting to understand a, a little bit about goal setting. And aren't these, you know, they're important for sports, but aren't they just as important for sitting there and no, learning math or learning no science doubt. or learning any other subject? No doubt. When I wrote the book a, a million years ago, Smart Tennis, it was a Simon & Schuster subsidiary, Jesse Bass. When I wrote that book, I had a good editor. The editor that I had um, went over my manuscript and helped me to adjust it a little bit towards the end. Uh, it was actually Alan Rinsler who actually founded um, Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, so he was a, a pretty good editor, and he actually helped me take the, the lessons that I was teaching in all these different chapters and apply them not only to the tennis court, but show how the person in the story could benefit from their work in the police force or their work in a school situation, working on a math problem or in a relationship. So I tried to, I tried to you know, with the help of Alan, we we kind of adjusted smart tennis a little bit towards the end to make that point that you and I are making today that yes, I, I, I believe that kids that have sports and especially tennis, tennis is a darn intelligent sport. Uh, the kids with the highest GPAs tend to come from tennis and right. to have that lesson, that lesson consistently being taught um, after school, you're, you are learning about pressure. You are learning about the, the importance of, of intensity and competition and confidence and, and focus. Now, yeah, of course, if you want to take it to a more professional level, you'll find somebody like myself on the phone or on Skype or in person, but not everybody has the access to those resources. So we rely on books and we rely on good coaches to fill in the gap too, but no doubt about it. I'm teaching life skills. I'm teaching people to, 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 to gain wisdom that, that goes way beyond the, the fluffy ball factor. Right. Right. And I think that, so, you know, Go ahead. No, no, I'm just I'm just trying to say that that becomes a much more um, important mission when you're talking about teaching someone 
in any endeavor, I think teaching is a very valuable uh, resource because it, it changes lives. I mean, you get a, you know, I get a lot of kids at 11 or 12 years old, and the impact you can have down the road is, is, is you know, monumental if you can get them early and get them to, to know what confidence truly is and to truly act that way and take it to their tennis courts, then later on to their colleges, then later on to their their development and companies and going up to the C-suite and becoming a leader and a, you know, great, a great person it goes way beyond tennis. I mean, I love sports and I love tennis and that's the context, but you want to think of the tennis court as sort of a laboratory, not only to play well in tennis, but a laboratory for life skills to, to take way beyond the tennis court. And that's what, that's what I've also learned in my, in doing this work, how, how valuable that is, even with the, professional athlete you know i recently started with a major league baseball pitcher and it, it goes way beyond just teaching this person to be more confident in the in the eighth inning it, it's about what is he doing two days before the game what is he doing the night of the game is he you know how smart are his off field skills in addition to his his on-field performance skills so it really is a comprehensive approach that i think the schools just simply don't address no, and I'm afraid, uh, well, I, in my interpretation, it's less, even today, I don't, I'm, I'm not so sure we're teaching subject matter as much as we're preparing uh, our students for tests, and I'm not sure that's a good thing in my own mind. Uh, right. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of that at all. I think there is a value of integrating with other people and having discussions about uh, whatever the subject matter is, and learning from each other rather than preparing them for a test. And uh, yeah, there's also the know. problem with the computer. With the computer today, John, I think you have a lot of whiz, whiz kids that are great with facts. They're great with information processing. They they can have ten facts on their fingertips, but are they truly understanding the meaning behind those facts? And there's a difference. There's a vast difference out there between knowledge and true uh, wisdom, which is gained through experience. And it can also be gained through proper teaching. It, it just, again, it, it just makes the argument even stronger that, you know, a ton of knowledge is that you can be pretty stupid with a lot of knowledge. If you don't know how to use it or you don't truly understand, it's kind of like I always use the analogy of the forest and the trees. You might understand that there are 100 trees right there in, in the right in your eyes, but you don't realize you're standing in a forest that has a deeper, much more significant meaning than those trees. That, that that's how I like to think of it. So, the difference between knowledge and wisdom between between the trees and the forest. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I I do uh, remember, uh, and I'm not sure if it was the first time I had you. Uh, it might have been prior to that, but I know you and I have talked about it before, and I think we have come ahead some, but I remember having people say, why do we have a sports psychologist uh, here uh, when we're talking about coaching high school kids? And I, I, and if it was you, because I remember I was debating, do I put clinical and sports psychologist? Oh, and I left out yeah. clinical because, you know, I think the misconception is that you have to be an adult before you need help. And I, I'm not, my concern is 
are we sit there and you know what is that? It, I don't think there is a magical age, but once they well, start competing, go ahead. You tell yeah. me because you're the expert. Well, no, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Sorry, maybe I had too much coffee there, John. But uh, <laughs> no, but what, what you know, if you think about the clinical, it's it's kind of funny. Even today, in the year 2018, I will call myself a mental coach. Like I mentioned, that ba- baseball player I'm working with recently, I will call myself a mental coach because people get scared by the word psychology. Not not scared, but they kind of think, oh well, it means I have a problem. Now, if, that, it, it's not surprising if psychology got its start, you know, after World War II and psychiatry before that, you know, and working with head injuries and, you know, working in in mental institutions where where schizophrenics were chained to the wall. And so there was a great um, perception that if you saw somebody like me back then, that you were severely disturbed. I mean, you must be crazy. You're going to see a psychologist. So I try to avoid that phrase. The truth is I was in my 20s traveling the world, coaching tennis, you know, in my thirties, playing a lot of open matches, going to grad school, you know, I didn't, I didn't pursue this profession to, to, not that I, I I don't admire people that work with people that are in psychotic uh, messes and, you know, institutions, that's, that's also very important, but that's not why I got into the field. I got in because I love sports and I love competition and I love to help mentor people the same way I did as a tennis coach today as as somebody that can help them in a variety of domains way beyond even sports to go even beyond sports to business and academics and performing arts and life. And so, uh, you know, again, please, if you haven't uh, disregarded that notion of psychology means mental illness, please do it once and for all right now, as you hear me speak, you really need to realize we're not working with people that are chained to the wall, we're working with people that are healthy and happy that are looking to take their mental skills to the, you know, ridiculous level on steroids. That's what we're trying, not, not, not drugs. I'm talking about mentally on steroids. So taking them to another level, you know, really taking it to another completely different level, you know, professional level, you know, you can have, you can be a recreational tennis player in a 3.5 league in Kansas and have the mental skills of LeBron James or on the court, whatever we'll say the, the mental skills of a, of a great um, you know, Justin Verlander as a pitcher or a Tom Brady as a football quarterback, you can have the same mental skills as a player like that. And, and maybe you don't, you don't have the same physical skills, but you can certainly acquire something that has no limitations. And that's the mental game. And I'll shut up. You keep going. No, no, I did. That's important. I think it's important. You keep going. I think the, the thing that uh, I was thinking about is I was, you know, this what I did today, my commentary was somebody I had uh, done business culture with, and his comment to me is, you know, so you use a lot of those same phrases, the terminology that you did at that workshop I was at at Daytona Beach. And I said, well, and, you know, and he brought, and, I, and he did help me because he found it on my computer, which I wouldn't have known how to do because now I have Word 10. But, I, you know, is it because my limited vocabulary? Is it because of the same terms are useful? Is it because I repeat myself too much? But I think some of the things that are needed in, in life's journey are the things that, you know, we offer in sports. My question is, you know, how do we 
how many people, you know, don't have the advantage to get into those things, and what can we well, do? It, it is expensive. Yeah, we've had that discussion, John. How can we pay for this in society? And right. I think overall we're making some progress. I think just by the, the constant barrage of articles, I've been quoted in probably over a thousand mainstream articles in the past 10 or 15 years, and I've been on national TV many times. And I think what happens is overall people become more aware of it. I've gotten more athletes in team sports like basketball, you know, that maybe would not have been aware of this years ago when it was just tennis and golf, say. But um, I think it's, it's, it's changing slowly, slowly, slowly. And it's true. It is expensive. I mean, to come talk to me, it's not cheap to do, to do mental coaching, but the parents usually take, you know, that extra responsibility on and, and, it's it's like advanced tutoring. Think of it as like a tutoring skill that you might get. But there, there's definitely a need for more programs, systematic uh, endeavors like you and I spoke about on the phone, talking about maybe teaching them the Constitution or taking lessons from history and applying it to, you know, from history to sports. Um, I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is that while there might not be immediate resources available for everybody because it is expensive to get one-on-one mentoring and anything you want to do. If you want to be a better judo fighter, you, you might, might be expensive to find a good judo teacher. Um, I think it's still important that the teachers hear this message, the good tennis coaches out there. If they're, you know, are, if there's one person listening to us or if there's 10,000 listening to us, please take that to heart. And when you go on the court tomorrow, you know, make an effort to teach life skills that go way beyond the court because you are having an impact. You are taking that message and helping people grow to that greater awareness. And it just, to me, it's just evolution. We're, we're learning more and more about what it takes to be a high-level performer. And sometimes we learn that through observing great athletes, people that do it, people that have been there and done that. That's one way to learn. We learn it from science, too. I often teach science. I teach the value of empirical reasoning combined with uh, analytical reasoning and statistics and, you know, how to understand what, what's coming out of the science and then taking it to the, to the daily activities that people engage in. And people don't usually do that, but that's, you know, it's still something to pursue. It's still something to, to get out there. And we, we're doing it right now, hopefully, whatever. Well, hopefully I just think that I'd like to see more coaches. I, I, often say I'm blessed because you and I get on the phone at times. Uh, Linda LeClaire gets on the phone at times. Uh, and we're able to discuss things. So, But uh, there's times i got to be truthful. I feel, you know, I, don't, I, I always want to challenge myself. Am I doing it the right way? Am I approaching the right thing? We all have, you know, success stories we, we talk about. In the back of my mind are the things that I wonder, am I approaching this right? Did I do it the right way? And that's what I'm saying. Even I know we can't for, for all of society, but for coaches, if there is an outlet that a coach can go to, I think a good coach has to question himself at times. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. So, and a sports psychologist too, John. Not, not only a coach, but I have to continually be humble and realize that I'm – able to get much, much better than I currently am. You, you have to have that approach, no doubt about it. And an athlete, the same way. Humbleness, if huh? we be ready to grow. Well, you've heard what I have on my mind. What, do you, uh, what would you like to talk about now? So, so if you want to have uh, just what I have to offer you out there, if you're, if you're looking for more information, I've got about 
2,000 articles behind my website at johnfmurray.com. Okay, so if you go to johnfmurray.com and you go, there's a little search bar up in the upper right-hand corner, let's say that you want to work on confidence with your, your tennis student. You might go to that little search box, put the word confidence in there. You're, you're going to find, you know, 15 or 20 articles that mention confidence. And I think that's important. I think that we that we should always be seeking to improve our knowledge base, and that would be something that um, – that you can do from that website. So that's one thing we can talk about how to get knowledge and how to make use of that knowledge. And then the other thing that I think is a lot of fun is for coaches to do is to play with history, play with the knowledge that's out there and try to find examples, like maybe look at biographies or autobiographies of great performers, maybe in different fields, maybe in, in science or maybe in academics or maybe in, in anything, you know, business icons, people that have, have done a lot of good things, and take that message to the court and teach that student how Napoleon won that battle, how um, some great industrialist built a, a bridge, or how you know somebody discovered a cure to polio, or something like that. And you'll find, often find, you'll make your lessons much more exciting and more interesting and more real. And you'll bring real life into it. And I think the kids like that. I do a lot of that with people when I'm doing my mental coaching is we'll spend a lot of time with just having fun with what's out there, what's known, and get people to start thinking like a little mini scientist. Not in a, not in a boring way. That, that sounds so kind of boring, the word science. But it really is nothing more than proper hypothesis testing, you know, asking questions and looking for evidence and then analyzing the evidence and then using that to your advantage. I think that's how we send a man to the moon. So. I could talk forever about that. I don't mean to bore you, but that would be what my message to all of you would be is to try to bring in history and bring in uh, reality to your coaching. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting, interesting you said that uh, uh, because uh, since we talked about that a while ago, I've been uh, doing that, and I had somebody had said to me about, uh, I quote uh, Thomas Sowell, a lot because I do believe in capitalism and everything. And and somebody said to me, well, you know, you you quote him a lot, but what do you actually know about him? And I, you know, other than you know, I could tell you the books he wrote, Conflict and Vision, and the black, red, that white liberals, and all that stuff. But you know, what did I know about him? And when I went to do research, I I was shocked that I learned that when he came when he was at Harvard, he was a mark. This sympathizer. He obtained his wow. PhD in that. And then uh, later on, when it went to, well, even at the University of Chicago, but when he went to Stanford and started uh, studying there, that's when he switched his thinking and he was continuously learning. But um, I think it is fascinating to sit there and learn about people. And, you know, sometimes yeah. we make assumptions that, uh, well, this is who this person was, and they always were this way, and it's yeah. not necessarily true. One thing that I would do a lot of times when I was traveling, and I'll occasionally fill in as a coach for a tennis player and go to a tournament. I don't anymore, but I'm open to that. You know, if, if a coach is injured, if a coach of a player is hurt or, or sick, you know, I wouldn't mind going for a weekend to Australia or to the Wimbledon, and I've done that many times. We're, we're, and then we'll, when we're getting the player ready, uh, a lot of times we'll go to a coffee shop and grab a book off the shelf and read about the Peloponnesian Wars and how they had to row those damn boats, excuse my language, 
so fast or they were going to die. They were going to sink. So that, you know, that would give a player, seriously, it would give the player the idea that, you know what, I better row that boat too today on the court. And so, and you don't have to read the whole book. You can take the book and you can kind of page through it and find some interesting passages, whether it's something that some challenge that a person faced in life or whether it's some life lesson they learned as they were developing, maybe something about Abraham Lincoln. There's just so much out there. And I think I'm just promoting education. That's all. I'm promoting the classics. I'm promoting the idea of learning and applying what we know rather than being brain dead. There's so many people just go through life with a lot of information, a lot of data, and they pass it off as knowledge or take, as you mentioned, taking tests just to pass the test. But that's not really meaningful. So in some ways, I'm I'm just a teacher. You're, we're all teachers. We're all mentors to try to help people grow to the you know grow to a greater awareness or greater understanding or maybe win more matches. We'll keep it that simple. Yeah. Well, and I think that's important. And I and hopefully we're going to see more and more people. I had in one of my commentaries a few uh, weeks ago, and actually it kind of relates to. Uh, today, uh, people, the ITF came out and we're going to change uh, the uh, Davis Cup uh, format and rules. And uh, uh, truthfully, I probably had about 30 people say, well, you're going to discuss this. And I went, no, I'm not discussing it because I don't, I know, I know a news release, but I don't know the whole story with it. I do know the one thing I'm uncomfortable with is we're not going to play three out of five no more. We're going to play two out of three matches. And uh, it reminded me at Wilmington, there's some of the people, and some people I respect immensely that I was surprised of, and they said, well, Wilmington has to go do a tiebreaker. Well, it's good yeah. for TV. It's good for the gamblers because it's randomly you have a better chance. The person that's not as good has a better chance. We do have, you're talking about your statistics, and that's where it's important. And they have done that, and we have learned that. And we and we know the ITF is getting a lot of their money from a gambling uh, association getting that out there. But, I mean, uh, we we doing the right thing. I walked into our library. And we have a teen section of the library, and there's not one book that is not. It's all uh, adult uh, fiction. Uh, Not one book on uh, mechanics, not one book on art, not one book on um, any subject at all. And they're telling you, leave these kids alone. I mean, I went to the library and my mother would always be telling me, you know, go into the literature part. And I was, I liked cowboys back uh, then because they were still popular. The West was still growing. And I, and I liked history. So, you know, that's where I went. I didn't do like I was uh, supposed to do. But you learn from all the people in the library. I just don't know. Are we doing these kids a favor by isolating them? Well, I don't know. Your library sounds somewhat limited. I, I, I tried to read a Jane Austen novel once and I fell asleep. Not to knock Jane Austen. That, that, those, are some, those are some fantastic stories. But I, I, I tried to convince myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this. I'm going to find this interesting. You know what? I don't like it. It was boring to me. But that's maybe just my own limitations. I like autobiographies, biographies. I like histories. I like stories. I like uh, challenges that people face in life. And I guess I'm much more of a nonfiction fan. So it sounds like, number one, your library needs to improve. But kids aren't using libraries now any days. They're using their, their phones to talk to their friends and Snapchat about the latest uh, shoes they bought. But anyway, we try to still, as, as I'm a 
mid-50s guy now, and I guess I'm sounding kind of old to some of these young kids. But, uh, you know, I have a 15-year-old daughter myself, and I'm trying to promote education for her as well. So there's a lot of things we can do. We have to continually make that message important to them to expand their knowledge and their awareness and get beyond Snapchat and Instagram. Well, John, I suggest you check your library because I was surprised to learn that that's in all the Indian River County libraries. And it wasn't just our uh, Sebastian. And then I, and uh, and when you, and I quoted the post uh, up there, you know, and they've got, you know, the kids, which I understand being comfortable, they lay on the floor like, I mean, they made, I'm just not convinced that isolating any group of people is a healthy environment to be in. No, I mean, I, I think to wait, excuse me, I can't speak, to make reading easier, I think Audible, I use audible.com quite a bit. Get get it on audio. Put it on your iPod or on your iPad or, you know, put it somewhere where you can access it. I'm driving a lot, you know, going to see clients or going to my office in Palm Beach. and So I have a lot of time on the road and a lot of time to listen to. Uh, we went down to the Keys uh, as a family, a little vacation a few weeks ago, and, I, uh, you know, I was able to listen to a whole book on audio audio tape. So I think that's an easy way to access the information, make it more available. In fact, I should be doing more podcasts. I've done some, but I, I need to do more. I need to make more of an effort there to help people get the information in a different format. Good, good idea. You know, it's funny you talked about Jane Austen before. <laughs> well, I, I think you and I are a little similar that way. So we oh, read that on the road because when I'm driving, I can't go to sleep. <laughs> so my oh, wife... Yeah, it's a good way to put yourself to sleep. You, there's a lot of ways to put uh, yourself to sleep. I tell you, all the books out there will do it. <laughs> uh, I, I last, I went through the whole book. We, we went up, uh, I, I'm a big, I like to drive rather than fly. And uh, one of our trips up north, that was my wife's, uh, and she's always saying, you got to get him out of history and sports and you have to read other stuff. So That's funny. Uh, that was my, that was my punishment. So, but I didn't fall asleep. There you go. And Somehow uh, you survived. You survived. John. I there. survived. So I do, I have nothing against that fiction. And normally it's easier for me uh, because in the book, when they start talking about you know those things that I guess most people find interesting, I skip over that. <laughs> I think, so it's, I think let's, face it, it, let's face it, it's a girl's book. I don't mean to sound sexist, but you know, when you're talking about the social fashions and mores of, of you know, repressed English society going down to the coast, I mean, give me a break. I was falling asleep. I, I tried. I tried really hard. I tried. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I just tried when, I, when we went to that library, and I, I did make a mistake because I picked up too well – my, I, I made a mistake for me, my own bias, because I'm, I'm not a ultra liberal person, but I do try to read the other views. So I picked up two books and that were both a liberal uh, view. Okay. Uh, one was uh, a, a supporter of it, and it and there was some interesting uh, stuff in there about uh, education and what they're learning in college. Is it worth going to college, or what the job market's going to be in? And there were some interesting facts he quoted and some of the things that I thought were 30 years away um, might be in the next five years. So uh, 
I always thought, well, maybe I'm not going to live long enough to see that anyway, but I'm not so sure. But uh, so it, it is, it, it is rewarding in different ways. But uh, I won't make that mistake of getting two liberal books at the same time no more. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm probably my 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 latest thing is probably to stay a little clear of politics a little bit. But I think I think one thing we need to do is we need to be an informed. Uh, populist when we vote. I think you need to be more informed, and I think we need to be able to freely speak without being shut down by people. So whether you're on the left or the right or somewhere in the middle, I think um, and I wrote an article about that for Memorial Day. It's on my website, johnfmurray.com, about you know some things we can do to help uh, encourage American unity. You know, I guess most people are listening are Americans, so I don't know. I, I just think whatever we need to do, we need to be more respectful and tolerant of the other side and allow people's opinions and and then if you go out and vote with conviction whatever this is a very interesting time in our history i've never seen it so contentious so that's absolutely amazing what, what's going on out there you're not going to get bored if you get into politics but i i still think it's probably better for me as a spokesman to probably steer, steer clear from taking one side or the other too much well, I do think I I put on my face that that Memorial Day uh, commentary I thought was outstanding, and I would suggest you. if you haven't seen it, go and uh, look that up because I think it is an important message. And the only thing I would add personally in my own bias is that uh, I think that uh, while we have to, and I often say, if we're getting in a debate with somebody, speak civilly, because it's hard to understand people when they're shouting at you. I think if we talk with each other and listen with each other, it becomes a lot easier. But I am fearful that we're trying to intimidate people not to talk, and this is the view. And... uh, you know, and I, I recently had a telephone call from a niece that she comments on things. We're from the opposite end, and she says, you know, Uncle John, you know, I, I, you know, that's my sight and my view. And I said, there is no sight. Yeah, my sight, and everybody doesn't agree with what I say, but when somebody disagrees, I respectfully put my view out there, and I respectfully talk to them. If you get vulgar... I'm going to make a comment, and I'm going to sit there and go. And, you know, and I love her dearly, but I, I don't think we're allowed, you know, uh, that, to yell fire in a theater. You can't do that. There's no doubt you about it. No, if you, somebody if, disagrees. If you love Hillary, it doesn't mean you're a bad person and evil and corrupt. And if you love Trump, it doesn't mean you get shouted out of a restaurant. That's absolutely right. You know, people have their reasons for who they like and when they like them. But I do agree that we have to get some civility, some respect for some tolerance for opinion. And unfortunately, it gets so divided and so politicized and so, I guess the word is polarized, that we've become bipolar as a nation. So what do we need? We need, we need some, some medicine <laughs> some, to, to calm down and let people have their opinion. Let the debate go on. Allow knowledge to develop. Don't presume that just because someone has a party affiliation they're an evil person that that's not going to help anybody that's just going to lead to further polarization so yeah that's kind of what i was getting at and i think i weaved in the mental skills there in that article to try to help people perceive that a little bit differently i think that's kind of what i've been doing all my career i try to 
take these mental skills that we learn on the tennis court, that we learn in baseball, that we, you know, we learn in the scientific literature, and you can weave it many different ways. I, I truly believe that the president should have an advisor in, in the in the West Wing telling him, you know, or advising him about how to improve his mental skills. I think anybody, any CEO position, any corporate executive should have access to that as well because their their decisions are going to affect you know many many thousands of people and a politician's decisions are going to make affect millions of people so you really have to have your mental game sharp and not make critical blunders you know so that that's something that i've been you know preaching about for a long time and i think and it's it's true at that level and it's true at all levels i mean uh, uh i i think you know like this gentleman that I was uh, doing business coaching for, like he says, you know, you're talking what you're talking about. Uh, You know, like one of the questions that I asked him, and he says, you know, talked about that before when you were coaching tennis. Well, it's a lot of it's related. I said, do do you have a vision? Can you explain the vision, what you're looking for your company to be? And he he said, yes, you did a good job. Explain it. And then I said, have you told your management about that vision? Well, no. I, well, I don't. Maybe I. 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 I could. I'm not sure. Well, how is your management going? You're going to work with them if they don't really know what your vision is. And we all. Some people Absolutely. want time off. Some people want more money. Everybody wants something different. And if we don't know them. Yeah. You still there, John? Yeah. Yeah, communication is vital. I had a call today from a business person that has some sales associates, and he wants to work with me uh, and and get some mental coaching, and and then morph it over to helping his his sales team, his sales team to be more effective. And you're, I think, I think you're right. I think communication is critical. I think you know what, so many people fail before they even have a chance to succeed because of poor communication. I mean, in fact, I went to some seminars when I was early in my career working with some big companies and you know kind of how to how to conduct meetings how to do interviews how to fire people how to basically it's all about people skills and communication and I'm not perfect with that I have a lot of you know room for growth but at least I'm aware of that I'm 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 making that a priority in my work to try to make sure that people learn to communicate more effectively in whatever they're doing Right, and everybody is different. And I remember I like to, uh, because I have a little bit of a hearing problem, I like to sit in the front row. And I remember going to Hilton Head at PTR International Symposium, and I'm trying to think of this doctor's name. I think it was Dr. Brody. He was from Philadelphia. He just died two years ago. But anyway, I'm in the very first seat. And I'm in the middle of it, and this uh, physicist gets up on the blackboard, and he's putting this equation up there. And if this comes with that, and, of course, if we agree that this value is there, and about four minutes later, he's across the board, and I'm saying to myself, oh, God, you picked the wrong workshop to be in because you had your choice of four or five and I'm saying there and I'm thinking I'm looking around how could I get out of here without anybody noticing and he gets to the end of the blackboard finally and he says now everybody understands that right and we all look oh 
don't understand. Well, the equation is, and don't quote me on the number, but he says a serve. He says that box there is a service box, and the ball that lands in that middle of the box at 100 miles an hour, and the ball that lands right on the the service line at 85 miles an hour gets to the return of server at the same pace. And he was oh, fantastic. But I'm thinking, I'm trying to get out of there. I'm saying, oh, my God, I took the wrong class this time. So, you know, Paige well, is saying, listen. Listen, I've been accused of being strange myself. I Believe it or not, and this sounds really weird, but I actually will teach some quantum mechanics with my clients. Some of the studies that were done in the early 1900s will blow your mind and actually make the mental argument even stronger because consciousness actually alters reality. And if anybody is interested in following up that further, contact me by email and I'll explain it to you, but it's fascinating. I, I, I love those. I love bringing in different sciences and making, making a point in psychology that, that really came from a completely different field. Uh, I think uh, that becomes interesting. Dr. Gosley, that's who he was. He just died a couple cool. of years ago. But, uh, after that, anytime he was at a workshop that was at, I always look for him. Okay, I know where I'm going. Awesome. But, you know, if you give people a chance, uh, you don't know what's going to come out of it. But I'm thinking, there you, you go. Know, for, for five minutes, I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, you dummy, you had to sit in the first round. You're a creature of habit. Yeah. Why do you do this? And it was the best thing that ever happened to me. There you go. So you got to have an open mind. So there you go. Everybody out there listening, open up your mind. Pick up a book for, that you never would have picked up, but don't pick up Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. A little humor. got to have some fun with it, right? That's right. You have to. I think we we don't have enough fun. That's a, yeah. That is a problem. I mean, I've been accused of Years ago, somebody said to me at a, um, a clinic, you know, you'll never make money at this, at this business. Well, I said, well, you know, that's not why I got into it, but why am I going to make money? Am I doing a lot? No, you're having too much fun with this, and everybody can see that. <laughs> I said, oh, hilarious. okay, well, as long as I'm yeah, not you got to have fun. That's, what's, that's the first principle that we, we work on. In mental. If you're not having fun, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you might as well do something else, right? Change change professions, change activities. got to have fun. Not always yeah, fun. I mean, we're question. going to the gym is, yeah, what what you got? Yeah, gym is, uh, yeah, is necessary. I haven't had fun at it yet. I have a, I have a theory, and I, don't, I have no scientific proof on it or anything. But I always felt that the female gender is more receptive to learning. And I, and I go back to Davis Cup. They don't have a coach. They have a captain. The Fed Cup, and the women, they have a captain. But I've over the years, I've had more women than men at my clinics. And a lot of times, the men are outside. Listen, but God forbid they should pay for a, a clinic. It's all right for the wife to do it. Am I? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, you know, I'm biased because I get a lot of males, to be honest. I get a lot of females, too, but I would say probably, you know, probably about 60% males, 40% females, maybe in my practice. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm a little biased. It's hard for me to know where that all fits. I think people are so different. You know, you have. But maybe 
maybe women are socialized to, to be more aware of the emotions a little bit earlier on. And so that be, being part of what, you know, what we often teach in mental coaching, maybe, maybe I've seen a little more receptivity to that, but I don't know. I don't know, John. I, I find it hard to make that stereotypic jump because I, I, males, males love this work too. I, I just don't know. I don't know about the clinics. I haven't done a lot of clinics lately, so I really don't know. Maybe, maybe there's some truth there. Uh, well, no, I don't know either. I like to have some facts. But I think back about uh, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, with my son and I, and I was doing the, the United States Tennis Association had a LEP program. They picked out one coach in the, each county, and uh, part of the were training the, the juniors. You had to explain to the parents everything. And at the club, we had a nice big dining room, and I had all literature on all the tables. I'm coming off the tennis court, and uh, the person at the desk says, I'm making copies for you. I said, I already have the copies on all the tables. And oh, wow. uh, she says, I know it, but half of them are missing. <laughs> the the <laughs> men's tennis team came in and took them. And the next week, I could hear guys telling the other people, you know, what they should be doing. But it was it's a free clinic, and you could all go in there and listen but instead they picked up the pamphlets and they walked out of here. So I wow. guess I've had that biased view since then. I got to get over it. Well, you know, it's hard to say. I, I find it hard to make that jump. Maybe when I was in my teens, I might've said that, but as a psychologist, you know, one thing you got to realize, we hear everything. We hear everything secrets from A to Z and we're supposed to be confidential. We can't, we, well, we are. I would never reveal private information somewhere publicly, but uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of a gender bias towards education. Maybe a little more receptivity there. But when when you get down to it, if the males if the males are open, if they realize how it can affect their performance, they they'll they'll open up their soul and tell you everything. They'll they'll totally get into it. So I don't know. It's hard to make that jump. Well. Doctor, we've gone through a whole session again. I look forward to talking with you next yeah. month. Uh, I appreciate you uh, spending uh, the time with us and sharing your information. Uh, p- please tell your friends to, uh, and, and please, if you you know, contact Doctor Murray. Uh, there's all kinds of information on his site, and tell your friends about the broadcast. Next week, we're going to have. Uh, uh, energy coach Linda LeClaire, uh on from uh, South Carolina. Uh, she's uh, written a couple of outstanding books, too. And I look forward to talking with you uh, next week. Have a blessed week. Tell your friends about it. And um, let's see if we can make life just a little bit more pleasant for everybody. Bye now. Talk to you next week now. Bye-bye, everybody. Right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.